Well, welcome back to the Tough Questions for God weekly message. You know, one of the things that I am in my normal habits and day-to-day living is I'm an avid news reader and watcher. I love to get up in the morning and just check out what's going on in the world and what's happened overnight and, you know, just kind of catch up with all the things that are going on. Maybe you're the same way. Well, you know, most of the time you end up seeing all this horrible, bad news. Well, recently I've come across some good news. Things like, you know, a a telethon that raised $57 million, you know, for Haiti. Uh, I ran across an article that talked about parents in Iowa adopting uh, six special need kids. Uh, I also read about a Chicago man who donated a kidney to someone at a grocery store, a, a, a worker there, a cashier, I believe it was, that he didn't even know. you know. And then there was another story I came across. A church in California uh, devoted all kinds of hours of work for helping out displaced children in Uganda. And the list goes on and on and on. There are really, literally thousands of examples of goodness and virtue in the world that we live in today. But a question arises, and the question is this, on on what basis is something considered good or evil, right or wrong? You know, and where did this basis of right and wrong come from? You know, atheists are really hard-pressed at this point to provide an answer for the existence of objective moral values. Now let me let me get into a little bit of a definition for you. If something is subjective, then that means it's left up to the individual uh, to evaluate. If something is objective, then it's not left up to the individual. It's something that is not influenced by personal opinion. It is simply fact-based. Well, there was an atheist once that wrote uh, an article, and his article was titled Secularism's Ongoing Debt to Christianity. And I found this really, really interesting, because in it he wrote this. He says, although I am a secularist, an atheist, he said, I accept that the great majority of people would be morally and spiritually lost without religion. Can anybody seriously argue that crime and debauchery in this world uh, are not in, held in check by religion? You know, is it not comforting to live in a community where, you know, the laws of, of fairness and honesty and all of those things are, are a foundation? You know, what would it look like if Christianity were not the moral compass for the country that we live in, you know, as it, as it was originally founded? Yes, I know things are changing today. That's true. One of the things that most sociologists agree with, though, is that in order to have an orderly society, that it's dependent upon a general acceptance of what is called morality. And there can be no such morality without religion. Because without religion, morality is left up to be subjective to each individual. There are no moral laws of secularism. The best answer that we can hear here from secularists is that the question is, in this case, a hodgepodge of 
opinions and misguided misnomers and just all kinds of, you know, this is what it means to me. You know, another issue is when you read about other parts of the world, many times you get involved with differences in etiquette. Now, etiquette is certainly much different than, you know, moral laws. Etiquette is where, you know, you follow the traditions of the culture that you're in. You know, one of the things I like to do is go to the Diwali Festival uh, here at the local university. And, you know, in India, they eat with, you know, very traditional means, very traditional foods. Uh, many times they will eat with their fingers. And yet here in the United States, we are used to using utensils and all. It would be quite rude if I was to go uh, to that festival where everyone is, is enjoying the culture you know, that they, that they grew up in, if I was to simply do something outside of that culture, you know, you, you, that would be rude. That would be not right. But morals are different than etiquette. They're not the creations of human beings or human cultures. As we've said before, morals are objective, not subjective. And again, to be a subjective moral, it's left up to the individual to evaluate you know, based on their own opinion and own experiences, what's right and wrong, which could be and probably usually are much different than the perspectives of other people. If it's an objective moral, then it is one that is given to us from outside of ourself, from a higher being, from, from God. Now, let's say that there was a culture where the firstborn babies were, you know, put into a fire and were offered to the gods. It, we would look to, at that as a morally a, a terrible act. And if there was a culture in which men kept females as slaves and beat them and raped them at will, again, we would be morally outraged. And if there was a culture that lacked, locked up black people for their color or Jewish people for their heritage, or left-handed people for their differences, again, we would decry all of these actions as being totally moral abominations. But if that culture's members objected to our indignation by saying that it's just the way people do things in their culture, if it was their tradition or their custom or their preference, we would flat out reject their answer, wouldn't we? Absolutely. If morality was subjective, some would find these things acceptable. Think about that a little bit. Out of all of those horrific things that you can envision happening to people or people doing to other people, you know, if the morals that we lived by were simply subjective, it was up to the individual, you know, our world would be in chaos. But when our morals are objective and they're handed to us from something greater than us and outside of us, uh, that's when we understand that things are right or wrong. There's a firm foundation and a firm basis for it. Could it be that a moral lawgiver actually knit those moral standards, you know, along with the ability to understand and operate by them? into the very fabric, into the very heart of what it means to be a human being? Is it possible that God has instilled those things in the human heart? You know, it certainly seems to be that way. 
you know, we look at things and we just have this general sense of right and wrong. And those are based on the way that we were put together, the way that we were created. There, there comes an innate ability to look at something, you know, that we look at from a godly nature, from an from a objectively moral stance. And we say, this is right or this is wrong. You know, in the book of Ephesians, let me let me read something to you. It's very short. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Do as God does. After all, you are his dear children. You know, again, the Bible tells us in many different places that we are created in the image of God. We're, we're God's children. We're God's people. He knit those things into our very being. We know right and wrong because of the moral values that God has instilled in the human heart. Now, yes, they get corrupted and they get off track and all of those things. But I think when we look at humankind and we say to ourselves, you know, I know what's right and wrong and it's based on godly, on a godly perspective and godly morals. It's, it's one of the ways that we know that God exists. Because where else did those values, those moral values come from? They were instilled in us from prior to our birth. How is it that a child, you know, learns very quickly that, you know, to hurt another person is not right? You know, even though children do that from time to time. How is it that we learn that stealing is wrong? You know, all of these things, and, and that's outside of a Christian upbringing, outside of a godly upbringing. These things are simply instilled in the human hearts. Friends, I want you to simply think about that this week and just spend some time with God asking God about how it is that these morals and these values have been instilled into the human heart. My friends, thank you for joining me. Share this video with others and God bless you and I'll see you next week. Thanks. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.